This is the Mums Net podcast brought to you in association with our lovely sponsors, Fairy Non Bio. I'm Fee Glover, and this one is called What Do You Actually Do With a Baby All Day? Where are you? A wiser mum than me once remarked that the baby years seem to go past very quickly, even though the days are very slow. And by Jiminy, when you have a small baby, some days it can feel as if nothing will ever speed up again. With a very small baby, the routine tends to be sleep, feed, pose for pictures in tiny outfits given as gifts by granny, change nappy, sleep, feed, more pictures. It doesn't sound exhausting, but it is. And then they get to a couple of months old and it strikes you that you might need to do something a bit more stimulating than reacting to guests on Lorraine and Judge Rinder in a not altogether sisterly way. Anyone for another round of peekaboo? Peekaboo! Suddenly being plunged into life as a stay-at-home parent can be bewildering. Some people love the freedom, others feel anxious at how to fill the days. And in this podcast, we'll have our experts on hand to offer their advice and wisdom and mumsnetters who've been there and done it. When they're tiny, babies get stimulation from lots of things like lights, faces and voices. You really don't need to do anything much with them. That's enough. Take advantage of this time to recharge your batteries. Once my daughter got to four or five months, I did a lot of embarrassing external monologuing. Look, here's mummy washing the dishes. See all the lovely bubbles. Look, here's mummy taking the poo out of the cat litter tray. Ooh. Look, here's mummy pouring herself a gin and tonic. Mm. I found it broke the long hours and the silence and even amused me sometimes. I actually found getting out to baby groups vital for my sanity. We live in a very rural village, and if I hadn't, I'd rarely have spoken to another adult. So if you can find a good one near you, then it can become a lifeline. Lifelines are important. Don't use them up all at once. The advice I wish I'd taken is that thing about just letting your batteries recharge. That is vital. However your baby has arrived in the world, there will have been some kind of chafing involved, either mentally or physically, and you're in for a marathon, not a sprint. So don't get up on day one and offer to make tea for the visitors. Just sit down, recuperate, and let someone else do stuff for you. And then... You're in for the long haul. Here are mums netters Hattie, Nida and Jenny talking about how they pass the time. When my daughter was a newborn, the only thing she was really interested in was me. So we didn't have a particularly structured week, but we did get out every day. And I think that's the most important thing to do is go out. If you're feeling rotten and feeling miserable, get out of the house. It doesn't actually matter what you do. You will feel better just for getting out of the house and feeling less trapped. So we would quite often just go out and go, I wonder where that bus is going. Let's get on it and find out. And we just go for wonders and explore. Yeah, I think if you can bear it, if you can just write off the first, I would even say three months in your head of just trying to sort of strive for anything other than just getting to know your baby, get yourself a good box set whap your boob out get your bottle out whatever you need to do and make sure you've got all your food and your drink around you so phone on you so you can scroll and look at mum's net and things like that and be involved in a conversation vigorously from your sofa and um, but also trying not to compare yourself to perhaps people that are still in your your pre- baby life um so if that means kind of not going on facebook and looking at what everyone else is up to then you know just kind of step away from that just take it easy on yourself 
And that means putting aside any dreams of writing a novel, starting a cupcake business or embarking on a PhD whilst on maternity leave. And whatever you do, don't judge the Orange Prize for female fiction because that would make you a total freaking pool of idiocy. At the start, many babies just love you so much they don't want to be anywhere else but in your arms, which can even make going to the loo a challenge. And it's this weird combination of being permanently on call but not actually really able to do anything that can feel demanding and lonely. What to do? We put that to Dr Rebecca Chilvers, a paediatric clinical psychologist. I'd say first that we weren't really designed to be on our own all day alone with babies um, for, for very long periods of time. If you look back throughout history and in many other cultures, children are raised as part of a community um, with you have your extended family and a lot of social support. So we've really moved into a very difficult place um, in, in modern parenthood, at least in this country, where we've got lots and lots of parents who are lonely and struggling, doing it on their own in their own houses. So I think often it can be just acknowledging that that is very difficult. And it's often also very powerful to meet another parent who says, me too. It's so, so important to hear that you're not the only one who can feel like that, who can feel lonely, who can feel low, or perhaps even bored at times at home. You know, all those are very normal, natural feelings to be alone with a, with a newborn. So here's a plan. Modest goals or no goals at all is a good idea at this stage. Get rid of any lists of things to do outside the immediate world of poo implication and concentrate instead on what's achievable, like making something to eat. Hello, you can't have my tea, sorry. This is Mum's Netta Kate. Um, I find that you really hang things around mealtimes. Mealtimes are almost a relief because there is a definite thing that you have to be doing at a definite time. And I think otherwise often you get that sense of a sort of acre of time opening up in a slightly terrifying way. I mean, it's amazing how much time it takes to change nappies, feed, brush teeth, give everyone food, change a nappy again get a new baby grow on someone because it's covered in poo. You know, all of that kind of stuff just takes an incredible amount of time. Um, And then you get really into, you think, oh, I'll do really kind of child-focused sort of lovely mummy stuff. Yeah, hello. And you do sort of some tickling and playing on the the nappy mat and you go... Who's a lovely boy? Who's a fat little baby? And get some giggles. Yeah. Uh, and then you kind of get bored of that after 10 minutes and think, mm, and now what do we do? Um, often, to be perfectly honest, I, I try and do things that I have in my constant list in my head of stuff that needs doing. So I try and do the washing up. I try and put on another load of washing. I try and hang out the nappies. And often that means him crawling after me crying, <laughs> which is just awful and so then you stop and go okay okay and you try and make faces at them and play with them but you you can't I think some people can but I find it really hard to play with a baby because you just you don't get so much back the cry of mummy now in the background of Kate's world says it all it is unbelievably hard being a one-person entertainment complex The point of finding structured things to do in a day helps you as well as your baby. You might be doing parenting and feeding on demand in the very early weeks, but by a few months in, you probably do have to have found some kind of routine just to keep your sanity. And routine for a baby is no bad thing either. 
Of course, everyone will need their own salvation, and the key is working out how this totally new world suits you best. It's partly about working about what you need in your day. And that can vary for different people. So is it that you need to to be having social contact with other people? Or is it that you need to pursue some of your own interests within that time? You know, what what are the ingredients of a day that leave you at the end feeling that was a good day? So it's partly about noticing for yourself what, what those sorts of things are. It could be that you attend more structured activities so the uh, the baby groups of the world <laughs> there's, there's endless numbers of baby groups that you can go to and there's lots of benefits of, of going to those your baby doesn't need them to develop normally <laughs> but it can be a, a social opportunity for you to meet with other people and it can be something regular in the diary at the cinema screens you can go to for babies they have special concerts gallery trips you know, there's a whole range so it's finding out what works for you we did everything it was for just for sanity's sake we got out of the house and we went to every play group going if it had baby in front of it like we did it baby massage we did baby salsa baby swimming we did baby everything um just just to get out and be doing activities and to structure the day otherwise it's a long old day isn't it just staying in with a baby i'm intrigued by baby salsa what happened know, at baby it was so salsa? bizarre i used to strap her on with a sling and salsa around maracas and i was like what has my life come to <laughs> What am I doing? I wouldn't even do salsa like without her. It's just the oddest thing ever. My, my husband used to be like, "How was baby salsa?" That was hilarious. I was like, "Well, she hated it and she cried all the way through it." Um, my favourite one was baby massage because that was she was a colicky baby and it, that was baby massage specifically four colicky babies and I struggled in the other play groups because I felt like I was the only one who had a baby that cried through them all um I you know I'd look around and people would sort of lay their baby and they were sleeping on mats on the floor in these I was like my child doesn't even sleep in like the optimum environment let alone just just right there I know so I really struggled with that because I, I just was always that one jigging my baby at the back of the class but at baby massage all the babies were colicky, they were all crying. And suddenly I was like, these are my kindred spirits. <laughs> and I met one of my closest friends there. As Hattie says, these classes might be an enriching experience for both of you, but it is more about you than your baby, who will be totally fine without knowing how to salsa. And given that it is more about you, I've got no idea why we're all still sitting in a circle singing nursery rhymes. Surely sing along a Nirvana class would work way better. And then you wouldn't have to go home with the wheels on the bus as an earworm. I know just mentioning it means you'll get it. I'm really sorry. Before my daughter was even two months old, we had, you know, this kind of proper strict routine of swimming and going here and there and everywhere. And by the time she was six months old, I was just completely burnt out because it was was just too much, just trying to... I don't know, I think um, if you're kind of um, shy and a bit of an introvert like I am, it can be, you know, like double as exhausting than going to this thing where you're having to talk and, you you know, make a massive effort. And making an effort is often the last thing you're capable of in those tired early months. You're feeling weepy, moody, even panicky, and this is all quite normal. But it is worth also keeping a check on your fluctuating moods during the day and talking to others if you feel the need for some support, not only for your sake, 
but also because your mood does affect your baby. So there is quite a lot of research suggesting that um, when you're in a temporarily low mood, when you're feeling depressed or anxious, you tend to be less sensitive to the baby's feelings. So that's definitely something to be aware of and to watch out for. Good quality interaction involves kind of a back and forth. So when the baby kind of does something, the parent follows it, and then the parent can sometimes initiate it and the baby follows it. And those kinds of interactions are harder when you're depressed or anxious. And But it's definitely something you can watch for. So when you're kind of aware that you're in a low mood, just really concentrate on trying to watch what the baby is doing, empathize with how the baby is feeling at that time and follow it. And that'll probably help you pull you out of your low mood anyway. The Mumsnet podcast is brought to you with the help of Fairy Non-Bio and the help doesn't end there. They've got these new liquid tabs available. They're softest ever for the whole family. And while we're mentioning the whole family, did your partners understand uh, how different your daily life had become? Not at first. Um, I remember getting, I think Eve was probably about six weeks, two months old when I got quite frustrated with my husband and said, you don't, you don't get to just carry on as normal. Your life has to change as well because mine has changed beyond all recognition. Because he could come home and say, what have you done today? And he'd be like, I actually really struggle to tell you because it's... <laughs> it's not really doing, is it? You're not really doing anything and yet you're constantly, every moment is full. I think a really good tip for dads that someone said to me is to make a sandwich for the person who's staying at home's lunch. And for some reason, I never had any food in the first like few months. I, I couldn't make food. I don't know why I couldn't put my daughter down. And it was sort of really low on my list of priorities. But then your resources get really depleted, don't they? And you end up like sort of crying because you're so hungry by the time <laughs> someone, my other half, got home. So if those very early weeks and months are about just getting through it, remembering to eat and having something in the fridge when you need to, then it all changes when your baby starts demanding a more imaginative day. Oh, bored of that now. What should we do now then? Now I have some paper, Mummy. Before having kids, it's easy to imagine that you're going to have a wonderful crafting corner in your home where at 2pm precisely every day, glue and glitter will meet and make beautiful things. Hmm... Before I had my daughter, I did think that we would, you know, have a little crafting corner and, you know, she'd already be able to sew at the age of two and whatever. But I just, I don't enjoy it. <laughs> and it's frustrating because she's too little and, sounds awful, she's not going to do it right. So it's not going to look good. So, And also I, I think if, uh, it depends on what they enjoy, because if you're kind of trying to force this activity on them, like, no, the glitter goes there, you're not colouring within the lines you know no one's having fun so what's the point I think if they really enjoy it then you can get them started and step back and let them carry on yeah I was really enthusiastic I think when my daughter was way too young to be interested in craft or anything like that um because I'd just done my teacher training so I was throwing myself into it I was like we will do messy play today get the corn flour out and the water this is going to be great um and now I do nothing <laughs> But it's okay to be good at it as well, I think, and to enjoy doing it. I think with this new bad mum revolution, like, you know, we're it's like we're all sat there with a fag and a cup of coffee going, <laughs> what child? Do you know what I mean? This is all right to enjoy it and it's okay to, to not. Jenny, you actually had a proper involuntary shudder there. I can't bear it. Any of the, the messy play, I will quite happily take them to places where they can do it. There's always pens and crayons and paper around. I'm quite, and my daughter in particular loves drawing and will do it happily for ages. I'm not doing it. I'm not cleaning up the mess afterwards. Now, Jamie, what are you up to? Are you in bed? 
just thinking Max probably <laughs> needs a wee and Luther might need to sleep. Um, but... I don't need a wee! It's four o'clock in Kate's house, still an hour until the next meal, and everyone's getting a bit tetchy. Jamie. Kate's partner, Jamie, has snuck off for a quick nap. That's not really allowed, is it? Jamie, what are you like? No, I want a story. It's that stage when everyone is tired and and I'm tired. And I always think there's that thing about parenting where you you, you can only fail, you can't succeed. You know, you, 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 you're patient and you're patient and you're sensible and you're inventive and you are playful and you go, well, we've got this problem, but how about this? And you distract them and you are sensible about a tantrum and you're calm and, and you do that all day and then you get to this stage and you want to just scream, get on the loo and don't be an idiot. And if you do that, then you failed. Then you've, you know, then you get the kind of black mark of kind of bad, uninventive, uncool mum. Or cool mum. Oh, hello, Mr Maker. There is a fear that stalks some parents, the fear of TV, of how much and when and what. It's a hugely divisive subject. There are so many things available now to watch as well. If you are concerned, you can choose what what your kids watch. I mean, what's the difference between, obviously monitored if they're watching YouTube, but watching nursery rhymes on YouTube or being at a baby group? They do need downtime, they need relaxed time, they need to... To unwind. I find that my kids' preschool as well, they really, really loved the repetition of TV. So actually, my son, in the year before he went to nursery, I think he watched Wallace and Gromit every day. I'm pretty sure, you know, so possibly 365 times. And and actually, that I would pass that on just as a piece of advice. Just don't, don't be afraid to just put the same thing on again and again and again. Yeah. It has a really calming kind of trance-like effect, you know, and especially on really energetic boys that you can't get to calm down in the evening. I think it pinpoints times as well for them sometimes. I mean, I know a lot of people with their first child who use In the Night Garden as a pre-bath and bedtime routine pinpoint for the child to know, you know, oh, I know what's coming next. Sort of like me when I used to watch EastEnders at 7.30 every day and I knew that it was wine time. <laughs> it was uh, it's the same sort of thing, isn't it, for them? And I think it's quite holistic television now in the sense that, you know, if it's culture for them, you know, there are magazines that relate to the programmes and there are uh, theatre productions that relate to In the Night Garden. So you could sort of see it as a kind of your culture, <laughs> like it's culture for your, for your child. I don't want to do the cop-out of, well, a little bit surely is absolutely fine, it's totally up to you and not having any TV at all is one person's dream childhood and another person's nightmarish vision. So instead, here is some expert advice. What Dr Sam puts his finger on is that TV has changed a whole lot since you or I watched it as small children. Much of it is scientifically made for young minds. So one of the things I think we have to be grateful for living in Britain is that there's a big difference between good quality uh, TV for young children and bad quality TV. And in Britain, uh, particularly with the CBeebies, we have a lot of very high quality, very well-researched TV that makes sense to babies and that they enjoy watching and that is probably, we think, you know, at least not bad for them to watch. So what a lot of CBB shows do very well is that they understand just how noisy and confusing the world is from the point of view of a baby. And they present these very simple, often very repetitious, with lots of space in them kind of programs, that are the kind of programs that a baby can watch and, and make sense of and enjoy. Ah, oh, there's that little word 
enjoy. It's the thing that you have to think a bit about when you find yourself home alone with a baby. For most people I know, what they turned out to enjoy doing on maternity leave was totally different to how they'd enjoyed themselves before. So it takes a bit of time and a bit of dipping your toe in strange waters before you find an equilibrium for you and your baby. Give everything a go if you want to, but don't feel bad if some days you feel you've accomplished absolutely nothing. The baby years are a sum of many, many small parts, and most of them are invisible to the naked eye. Now, it's time to wake Jamie up, don't you think? All together now. Oi, Jamie, get up! We're reading a story. No, said Samuel Whiskers. Make it properly and I'm a real Oh, look, he's reading Maddox's story. Two rats consulted together for a few minutes and then... Relationships and How They Change is another podcast available in this series. We also have ones about sleep, baby health, making friends and going back to work. And you can download them all from the same place you found this one. I'm Fee Glover and you've been listening to the Mumsnet podcast. It's a test bed production and we've been talking about what to do all day. Thanks to our lovely sponsors, Fairy Non-Bio, who made this episode possible. And most of all, thank you to you for listening. <laughs>